Welcome to Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up to date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. I'm your host, who thinks Telly Savalas was the best Blofeld, Ernst Stavro, Andrew Price. <laughs> Confidence is a preference for the habitual foyer of what is known as Van Life Tyler Palo and Dad Beats aka Kirk Pin Chon. Dad Beats How's it going? Blur mid nineties harmless rock. It was harmless, yeah. Ooh, that harmless rock. That harmless yeah. rock. Or is mid-90s harmless rock. Yeah. Who else would be in that category? Um, Creed. Everclear. Do not Everclear. put Creed and Blur together. <laughs> Silverchair. For God's sake. Silverchair. Goo Goo Dolls. No. No. Uh, How dare you? Toad the Wet Sprocket. I Okay, oh. I, can, I can speak Blur. <laughs> I can speak Blur, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Silver chair in the same sentence. A more apt comparison is Oasis, and they had a ongoing rivalry. But yeah. do not put Creed or the Goo Goo Dolls yeah. in the same fucking category as Blur. Matchbox 20. No. You will shut your goddamn mouth right this second. I will not. Why is oh my God. the angriest Tyler has ever been on this podcast? <laughs> I, can't, right. I honestly I can't even tell corrected. if he's offended about comparing Blur to Matchbox 20 or Matchbox 20 to Blur. How's it going, guys? It's going hey guys. great on Mars. <laughs> yeah, van life is good, but we're just waiting on the USPS to get off their lazy fucking ass, you know? Because nothing else is holding them up but themselves. <laughs> you haven't showered in weeks because you, you rely on the USPS to del deliver your bags of water. Exactly. Bags of yes. shower water. Yep. We don't. And now uh, they're just evaporating next to some dead chickens. We don't have. Which were the on chickens Mars. that you ordered as well? Yeah. For the, <laughs> we don't the, have water on Mars. No, you just you just you think and then you become clean. <laughs> I heard that in Catholic school once, but I don't think it works that way. <laughs> oh, there's no religion on Mars, so. Oh God damn it! Another reason that yeah. I need to get to Mars. Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay. Um. So, uh, before we get into the stories, I want to quickly read uh, the first the first bit of listener mail uh, that we've gotten. And there's a very there's a very unique quality to this. There's a very unique story to this. Um, and it's very funny that this is the first listener mail we're gonna ever be reading because this is so, okay, so, at the end of every show, I plug that we have a, a, the email address and say, if you have anything you want to say or whatever, email us at this at nostalgicastpod at gmail.com. But in anticipation of the possibility that people would email the wrong email address, I've created, I have two email addresses for us. The first one is the one where it's spelled correctly, Nostalgicast. And if you don't know, if you've never noticed and you just kind of didn't pay close attention, the show is called Nostalgicast, as in nostalgic, 
cast. So it's N O S T A L I C A S T P O D at gmail.com. But I anticipated that many people would try to email us, but they would email nostalgiacast at gmail.com. So N O S T A L G I A C A S T pod at gmail.com. So I created both just to capt- capture any of the ones where people misspelled it. But I haven't checked the wrong one in a long time. So I got the wild hair up in my ass the other day to check it. And I discovered that somebody emailed us in May. No! <laughs> wow. And Darn I was, it! And I was like, oh, and, and it's even worse because the email that was sent was an expression, was a heartfelt, touching expression of concern. So I feel even worse that to this person, ostensibly to them, we just ignored it and just never said anything, never responded, never, never said it, uh, addressed it on the show. So several months late, I'm going to read this email uh, that a listener sent in. Um, So this email uh, and it's, it's a very brief email. It's very short. It's, it's not even anything really in terms of length or anything like that, but um, the email is from uh, a listener, hopefully still a listener. This was sent in May, uh, named Aldrin Esquadro. And the email is, uh, and this was sent on May 27th, just to give it context. The email is, just wondering if you are doing okay, as I've noticed you've been coughing for quite some time. Oh, oh, the, the, the subject of the email is Andrew's persistent coughing. Uh, the, the the body is uh, just wondering if you're doing okay, as I've noticed you have been coughing for quite some time. All the best, Aldrin Esquadro. Um, so uh, I just wanted to read this email and address it uh, several months late um, because the uh, the expression of concern is touching and flattering. Mm-hmm, um, obviously, since this was sent in May, I'm okay. I didn't die. Uh, but you just uh, briefly uh, address it. I don't think I have. I don't think I ever mentioned it on the podcast. I forget if I did. Um, but back then, back at that time in May, around that time, um, I was I was having like some of the worst seasonal allergies I've ever had in my entire life, and I can only speculate that it was because of staying inside a lot. And that maybe I wasn't getting enough fresh air or like enough vitamin D or something. So my typical seasonal allergies were like the worst they've ever been. And I was, I had like, I had an uncontrollable hack, like not hacking, an uncontrollable cough that just would not go away. And it got so bad that I actually had to cancel podcast recordings a couple times because I just literally could not stop coughing. And uh, it got so bad that at one point, like I, in a, an emergency fit of desperation, I drove uh, to get some allergy medication at a drive through Walgreens. And I had to like psych myself up to, to stop coughing before I got up to the window to get the medicine because I did not want them to think that I had Corona. Um, 
and and I and I like I was like I was like sitting there like all right don't cough don't cough and I like I had to like white knuckle it through this interaction in this window <laughs> I got the medication and then I immediately had to pull into a parking spot and then I just sat there and I almost like had to call my wife and see if she, maybe she could come get me or something I, I I don't even know because I could not stop coughing I, and I was like I can't even drive right now and I finally got it under control. And I started taking this 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 uh, allergy medication, and it's even it's arguable whether it even worked or not. Um, but eventually, after a while, this cough lasted for forever, um, and uh, I edited it out of the podcast as much as I could, but it still got left in several times. But uh, the cough eventually went away, and my my allergies subsided. But um, for the long time, I was super paranoid about people thinking that I had coronavirus because this cough was so bad. Um, but I did not have coronavirus. I had just like a really bad allergy cough. So yeah, hey, that's why Andrew. that was. That's why for yeah. a long time on Nostalgia Cast, it seemed like I just had this cough that would not go away. Um, and uh, I thank you very much for your concern. Um, that's so nice, uh, Aldrin. Uh, that's very nice. Can I can I say something, Andrew? Yes. You're dead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm dead. This 100%. is, this is six cents. Yes. Yeah. I died. You, you, you died. You're just doing this from heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. incidentally right. It's a, it's about like a few miles away from Mars. Yeah, it's not right. bad. We commute. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really hate that I'm the only one stuck here on Earth now. <laughs> well, get out of that van. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they say? Ooh, baby. Do you know what it's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on Earth. Not according to Mars. <laughs> what are the lyrics on they Mars? Say in heaven, love comes first. Ooh, heaven is a place on Earth. It's the exact same thing, except we just replace the word Earth with Mars. But what do you replace the the rhyming word with? In the, in the... We don't rhyme on Mars because rhyming. Oh, gotcha. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place, is a place on, Mars. on Mars. Yeah, still works. Yeah, and then everyone, everyone goes, "Yep, that got it in rhyme. That worked. Yep, yep. If it rhymed, we might have had to round you up and had you publicly executed, as we do on Mars. Yes, rhyming is illegal on Mars. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was, it was criminalized in the, in the. Uh, the Ted Geisel Act of of twenty of uh, <laughs> of twenty twelve. I don't know what that means, but I fear that it'd be a deep dive if we did that. Ted, Ge- Ted Geisel is Mr. Uh, Doctor Seuss's real name. Oh, you mean Theodore? Well, we're I, I call him Ted. Oh, uh, humble brag. <laughs> so, getting into the stories. It's been announced that ba- that Ben Affleck. This is weird. This, this whole thing is weird. We we've, we talked about this before. The confusing nature of the DCEU and all these things. We've talked about this on a previous episode. It continues to be a weird clusterfuck. Ben Affleck is going to be returning as Batman in the Flashpoint movie. Batman forever strives for a chance to set things right. That may finally happen with Ben Affleck's version of The Crime Fighter. The Argo director's brooding Dark Knight is coming back for one more movie with Affleck agreeing to return as Bruce Wayne in the upcoming big screen version of The Flash. 
Portrayals of Batman always ignite furious debate amongst fans, and Affleck's selection for the part continues to provoke intense discussion, even years after he first donned the cowl. Some love him, some disparage him, some refuse to see him in the role from the very beginning, while others consider him an underrated favorite who deserves more chances to play the role on screen. Uh, this does not disrupt the Batman film starring Robert Pattinson, which we kind of didn't cover uh, because the, the trailer came out in a weird spot because we, we record these episodes like several days in advance. So we record on Thursdays and episodes come out on Mondays. And I think the trailer for the Batman came out on. What was it? It was maybe it was a. Saturday, I think I think it was Saturday or Sunday. So we had already recorded that week's episode, obviously, and then it was going to be a whole nother full week until we could record the next episode. So by that time, the, the trailer's old news. So uh, we didn't cover the Batman trailer, um, even though we should have. And yeah. it was pretty good. Uh, but but yeah, super, so it's super dark and not in tone and just like I'm like, I can't see anything. That's, that's fair. That's fair. No. That's because the 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 TVs on Mars are all uh, three lumens darker. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. It's like I forgot. how in Australia uh, the toilets go backwards. Yeah, on Mars. No, I forgot about that. That's why. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's it doesn't affect that version. And Robert Pattinson, uh, quote unquote, remains the future of the franchise. The Flash movie, which is planned for release in summer of 2022, will feature fast-moving hyperhero Barry Allen, played by Ezra Miller breaking the bonds of physics to crash into various parallel dimensions, where he'll encounter slightly different versions of DC's classic heroes. In an adaptation of DC's 2011 Flashpoint series of comic book crossovers directed by Andy Muschietti, the filmmaker behind the recent adaptation of Stephen King's It and It Chapter 2, he says um, his Batman has a dichotomy that is very strong, which is his masculinity because of the way he looks and the imposing figure that he has in his jawline, but he's also very vulnerable. Muschietti said in an interview, he knows how to deliver from the inside out, the vulnerability. Um, he just needs a story that allows him to bring that contrast, that balance. Affleck got the script at the end of the last week and agreed this week to join the project. Um, so, yeah, uh, despite the fact that there's this whole new Batman, new Batman movie, uh, Ben Affleck is also coming back to be Batman. Yeah, <laughs> but it's does it, it feels like a cameo, right? Am I? Crazy. It feels like this is going to be just like, oh, he's in it for like 10 minutes. He's not going to be in the whole movie. No well, way. I mean, he's not going to be in the whole movie for sure, but it's still just just continuity and universe wise. It's just it's the whole thing is so weird because they've got what constitutes the DCEU, which is what they were attempting to build as the DC cinematic universe to compete with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that was that was the Zack Snyder uh movies. That was the the mm -hmm. the Henry Cavill Superman the the Ben Affleck um Batman uh Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Ezra Miller as the Flash, um what's his name is Aquaman uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Those uh, movies, so the you know the 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 Justice League movie, the standalone movies, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Those movies were all one universe, but they've sort of been unsuccessful to varying degrees. The Wonder Woman movie did very well, 
the Aquaman movie did pretty good. Um, the Shazam the Shazam movie did well, but then like Batman v Superman didn't do well, and Suicide Squad didn't do well, and all these things. So so it's been very uneven, and because of the lack of like consistent success, they've sort of abandoned the idea of the original DCEU. But but they're still making movies within that. So they're still making the Wonder Woman movies. They're still making the Flash movie. They're still making the reboot of the Suicide Squad. But then there's this whole other separate continuity, which is the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. And then like the Robert Pattinson Batman movie that's coming out, which are like standalone movies. So it's just it's so weird. It's so it's just so weird. And then but then they're also making these other movies. And then there's also Batman and that, which is a different Batman. It's just confusing. Yeah, it feels like they're they're just going to like throw stuff out there and then whatever sticks, they'll be like, OK, here's our path. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just hoping that they can get some notoriety and whatever new Batman they get. And then they'll be like, all right, that's the one everybody likes. We'll find a way to write him into the universe. That, that being said, I'm I'm here for. Ben Affleck is Batman in Flash. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Bat- Bat- Ben Affleck playing Batman was definitely not the problem with the movies that he was in. The problem is that the movies were terrible. But mm-hmm. him as Batman was not bad. No, that's a good idea. So if Flash is good and he's in it, sure. I'll see it. That being said, I'm so, I'm so much more excited about the Robert Pattinson Batman because that trailer... Looked fucking sick. Really excited me. <laughs> Looked like murky darkness. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta import an Earth TV. That's the one. That's well, the guess TV. what, Kirk? <laughs> that's what justice looks like. <laughs> that's what it should have been called, Batman Murky Justice. Murky Justice. <laughs> Missed opportunity, DC. Oh uh, no, no, that's the one where he faces, um, faces the swamp thing. Murky Justice oh, is and, a. And they uh, fight in a swamp because swamps are murky. Yeah, murky murky justice is a is a X rated police procedural coming this summer to the cock. <laughs> oh yes, uh, Rick Schroeder is going to be in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be good. Yeah. Um. So they're going to reboot the thing. <gasps> we we talked pearls. about that, right? Clutch, yeah, we talked about that before. Clutch oh, yeah. your pearls. They're doing. They're going to desecrate my childhood. Hollywood's run out of ideas. Leave. Classics alone, even though the thing is a remake of in it, uh, in and of itself. However, <laughs> it's been announced that John Carpenter is involved Ooh. with the reboot of the thing. Uh, for fans of John Carpenter, we have some exciting news. This Saturday, while the Master of Horror received, was receiving his Lifetime Achievement Award during the Fantasia Film Festival, he confirmed several projects. One of those projects is Bloomhouse and Universal's reboot of the thing. As previously reported, the new film, as well as Carpenter's 1982 movie, is inspired by acclaimed science fiction author John W. Campbell's Who Goes There? About a team of scientists in Antarctica, Antarctica who discover and are terrorized by a monstrous, monstrous shape-shifting alien. The new film will also draw from Frozen Hell, a recently unearthed novella that serves as an abridged version of Campbell's original story, which we covered on this show as well. The fact that they discovered that Who Goes There was actually a smaller snippet of a larger novel that was until now unreleased called Frozen Hell. Um, 
In all, there are already three film versions of the same story. The Thing from Another World, 1951, Carpenter's 1982 film The Thing, and 2011's The Thing from director Mathesius Van Heijingen Jr. Yep, nailed it. Sounds good. Uh, Bloomhouse and Universal's reboot will be number four. It will be interesting to see how they deliver something new. Um, it's not a huge surprise that Carpenter is involved. He did direct the 1982 movie, and he's been working with the studio on the new Halloween movies. Let's hope the Thing reboot will retain some of Carpenter's magic as well as soundtrack and score by the icon. We expect he will also be serving as an executive producer. The I'm always I'm always curious. Well, first of all, did you see the 2011 one? I I knew that I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know. Did it like you knew it was a thing? Ah, uh-huh. see, uh-huh. that's known as Mars humor. <laughs> Uh, is it good? That's a, that's a, Mar- that's like, a Mars bar. It's a Mars bar. <laughs> it's you with a Mars bar. Yep. You're saying, oh my God. Boom. I will say that Tyler, that Tyler coined that two episodes ago. I didn't make that up. Tyler, Tyler right. came up with Mars bar. The Mars bar. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with the Mars bar. Um, oh my God. I said it was, it was, it was, you have, you drop Mars bars and he drops van plans. Man, <laughs> I mean, that's all good. Um, that's all good. Yes, I did, I did see thing? the 2011 thing movie. It had Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, who oh, is yeah. Ramona Flowers, and it's terrible. Okay. My second thing is, I'm sure no one, no adult in 1982 was like, I can't believe they're desecrating my 1951 thing. How dare they? It no. seems only it's only like a recent thing now with the internet. Where in nineteen eighty two people are like, Oh, it's a reboot on the thing. Okay, sure. That that sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> but at least at least the, the fanboys will might be assuaged to learn that John Carpenter is going to be involved. Yeah, that's um, gotta have some staying power with it. Yeah. Interesting enough, just as a side note, that that twenty eleven thing movie, um what ended up happening with that and why people hated it so much is they they made the movie and uh, I fr- I'm blanking on the name of them right now. And it's, this is just, you know, I I obviously didn't expect to talk about this part, but uh, there was a, a visual effects studio or not a, a special effects studio, practical special effects studio um, that did all of the special effects for the 2011 thing reboot, all practical animatronics and puppetry and things. And early on in the production of the movie, the studio decided that they to compete with the um, to compete with the increasing uh, popularity of CGI and and mo- more movies like and CGI advancing and technology and becoming you know more realistic and movies more and more utilizing it. Um, they decided to scrap all of the the practical effects and completely get rid of all of them. And do the whole movie with everything CGI. So people really hated the movie because compared to the original one, the the 1982 John Carpenter film, it's like this movie is bullshit because that movie had all of these amazing practical effects. And it was all this, you know, practical gore with animatronics and puppets and and prosthetics and fake blood and stuff. And this movie is just all CGI. This is this sucks. So that's why people really hated it. And that visual mm-hmm. that visual effects studio, they um they went on to uh 
And once again, I forget the name of the studio and I forget the name of the movie, but they went on to basically kickstart, do a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or whatever for their own movie, which was essentially taking a bunch of the effects that they had made for the thing and then making new effects. And they made their own movie, which was a kind of thing like movie. But all of the effects were practical and it was all animatronics and things like that. So they made like a spirit. Oh, cool. they, they made like yeah. they made like their version of what the thing would have been. Um, but as as like a generic kind of offshoot of it. Yeah. And it was That's funded cool. and they made it. Yeah. Is it possible to find it still? Yeah, I forget the name of it. Um, let me let me look it up real quick. Yeah. So the studio that did this was it's called Studio ADI. And they did all these practical effects and they were all scrapped. Harbinger Down. Yes, that's what it's called. Hmm. Uh, Studio ADI. Harbinger Down. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 did a, they, they did a crowdfunding campaign for a movie called Harbinger Down, which is like a thing slash alien kind of movie with all just like practical effects. And there's girls in it. Yes. What? What? I mean, the, the 2011 theme movie also starred a woman, but yeah. Um, anyway. Speaking of girls. <laughs> a good segue. Uh, there you it's go. a Powerpuff Girls live action TV series is in the works at CW. The Powerpuff Girls could be headed to live action. Variety reports that the CW is developing a live-action iteration of the popular Cartoon Network cartoon. In the proposed series, the one-time child heroes are now disillusioned 20-somethings who regret spending their youth fighting criminals. The question lingers of whether they can swallow the resentment long enough to come back together and save the world when it needs them most. The project is being developed by Heather uh, Regnier and Diablo Cody. Oh, God. Um, oh, I like Diablo Cody. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> you don't like... Um... Any of her movies? I hate all of Diablo Cody's movies. All right. Well, they're big on Mars, so what can I say? Greg Berlanti, Sarah Schechter, and David Madden will executive produce for Berlanti Productions. Warner Brothers Television will produce the series. Craig McCracken created the Powerpuff Girls as one of the Cartoon Network's earliest original series. The series follows three elementary school girls created by Professor Utonium, when he accidentally mixes sugar, spice, and everything nice with the mysterious Chemical X. The original series aired for six seasons and 78 episodes from 1998 through 2005, with the Powerpuff Girls movie de debuting in 2002. A 10th anniversary special aired in 2008, uh, which was terrible. A second se special uh, created using CGI aired in 2014. It was better, but also not good. The Power of Girls was notably the final cartoon produced by Hanna-Barbera, which closed its doors following co-founder William Hanna's death in 2001. An animated reboot launched on Cartoon Network in 2016. Uh, the show's premiere was viewed by an audience of 81 million, and the first season earned an Emmy for Outstanding Short-Form Animated Program. The series introduced a fourth Powerpuff Girl member, Bliss, into the group. It concluded its three-season run in 2019. I never watched the reboot. I heard mixed things about it. A lot of people didn't like it because they kind of... It wasn't a action comedy cartoon it was more of like a sitcom type cartoon and a lot of people didn't like it uh but i reserve my opinion because i never actually watched it um the powerpuff girls is on a momentous run with its first 
Emmy nod, a debut appearance at one of the biggest fan events of the year, and a now a second season greenlit, said Rob Sorcher, the chief content officer for Cartoon Network, announcing the show had been renewed for a second season. Congratulations to the... Wait, oh, I don't know. I don't know what this is. This is just some other... It's not relevant. <laughs> More congratulations. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So there. So, you know, essentially we're getting a uh, Riverdale'd Powerpuff right. Girls. Right. Um, which sounds real weird. Uh, I don't know. Like, um, I can see the Archie world translating to that. Like, it makes sense to me. But the Powerpuff Girls, like, I don't know how that's going to work. I didn't. I hadn't heard like the whole rundown of how they're gonna do it, but I like the whole disillusion twenty something to like resent themselves or resent their past for having to save everyone all, the entire time. I love that. That's the hook. Yeah, to me. yeah. Like, I think. I I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no no no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't need to see a live action Powerpuff Girls where it's like the cartoon. Who cares? You just see the cartoon. A twenty something. They're like, oh my god, we totally wasted our youth and now they just feel old and pissed off and like do we want to save the world again is it worth it here for it give me yeah. give me give me i need i need i need and on top of that i was like i hope they're just kind of doing this as a tester because if they could do this then i would like i would love to see like a samurai jack live action uh just like other amazing cartoon network shows that they could eventually merge into like the one big universe because i think that's what they want to do anyway Everybody wants a universe, guys. We all want a universe. Is that Mars. is it like a a Mars a popular Mars pop song? That's the theme song. That's that's uh, we that's our uh, national anthem. No, oh. you obviously we don't all listen want to his podcast. All right, play this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, it slaps. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it hits differently. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see it. It sounds intriguing. I, I know a yeah. lot of people are going to be not down with this, uh, but I- I'm intrigued. Yeah, same. Absolutely. We all I think- want a universe. <laughs> see? It's an earworm. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on here. There we go. I think, they, like, I think Riverdale's really good uh, with like how they wrote it to be like more mature. I just wish they it wasn't high school content. I wish they were older and like doing the same shit. Like they oh. sent him they sent him to jail and he got into a fight club in jail, but he's like 16 years old. Wow. It's like none of that really tracks at that age. Like I don't they, I don't think that's really happening. But Wait, is that what happened in a in a Riverdale episode? It's a whole arc. In Ugh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Then there's a there's a whole season. Spoilers. There's a whole season about um, uh, a D and D game that has actual actual powers and is killing killing people off in the town. Ugh, that's yeah. rid- come on, Riverdale. Agreed. Be, be Agreed. better than that. Be better than that. Yeah. Uh, give me some Powerpuff Girls who are just pissed off. Yeah, that's what I want. Maybe they're just like drunk all the time. Just like fuck it, <laughs> but they're doing nothing. They're accomplishing nothing, and this is kind of their redemption. There's like an episode. There's an episode of Powerpuff Girls where they like spend the entire day uh, letting the town save themselves, basically, because they feel like they're not being appreciated. Oh yeah, and I I kind of want that to just be the whole series. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
We've just written this whole series. Fucking at us. Uh, we CW. are right. the universe, but we need to be on Mars. You can have the rest of the universe. We're just gonna stay on Mars. Mars is better than any place else. Our toilets download our poop without having to sit on them. This is the Mars Anthem. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We all want a universe, but we have to stay on Mars. We all want a universe. Play Mars Ball. <laughs> you know why that was so wonderful? Because it didn't rhyme. Exactly. <laughs> and we don't rhyme on Mars and it's I don't perfect. Get, I don't want to get executed in the yeah. city square. We kill by by the by the It's the rhyme by police. The, by the nougat men. Yeah. Which the is what, nougat men. Which is, which is what your secret police force is called. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> no rhyming on Mars, man. Uh Hercules, Hercules, Hercules! <laughs> no! New Nutty Professor reboot in the works. I can't believe you and put this on here. If you, if you happen to be both a listener of this show, as well as my other podcast, Deep Cuts, you will know that I myself am a clumpian. I follow the ways of the clumpian thought. And so I reject all Norbidian belief systems and this is the greatest news I've ever heard in my entire life. Just about every beloved movie or TV show from childhood has been rebooted lately. But how many franchises can boast that they've been rebooted twice? A lot, actually. You ignorant fool. This is about to be the case of The Nutty Professor, which is getting reworked yet again for audience, modern, modern audiences. Uh, Project X Entertainment, the studio responsible for the current effort to reboot the Scream franchise, is breathing new life into the Nutty Professor, according to a new report from Deadline. Uh, Project X is James Vanderbilt, William Sherrock, and Paul Neenstein are going to be bringing the Nutty Professor back to the screen, making it the third time the property has been seen the light of day. Jerry Lewis starred in The Nutty Professor back in 1963, and Eddie Murphy took the lead in the reboot of the film in 1996, as well as the 2000 sequel, greatest film ever made, The Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. Uh, Vanderbilt has long been known for his work as a writer, pinning scripts for films like Zodiac, The Amazing Spider-Man, and The Rundown. However, according to the report, Vanderbilt will simply be producing the new Nutty Professor film, not writing its script. Uh... So yeah, getting a reboot of the Night Professor. Yeah, but not with Eddie Murphy. I assume not. Then why? No. Then why? Then why? Why? I mean, we got, I'm just like we got. I mean, we got a reboot of the Doctor Doolittle with fucking RDJ. And, and how'd that go? Yeah, horribly. How'd that treat you? <laughs> but also, whatever actor they're gonna get. I'd be hard pressed to say, oh, they're going to kill it like Eddie did. They're going to play every character and just crush it. 
Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> With the exception of Leonardo. Who Just will imagine Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> in all those different <laughs> costumes playing his mom and dad. <laughs> So it just seems like, how do you top Eddie Murphy? It's not, he, he's iconic in that role. So to put someone else in it, you're automatically comparison to Eddie Murphy. So they're, they're absolutely going to get Kevin Hart to do it. That's Ugh. all. That's all I can see. I mean, if, if I was Kevin Hart, he should be like, um, no, because they're just going to compare me to Eddie and that's going to look bad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not here for it. Okay. Neither yeah, am I. I'm not feeling it either. Definitely. Moving uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All, all joking aside, I that I, I can't go for that. We're in the, we're in the wrong yeah. segment, but I can't go for yeah. that. Yeah. But still, it's it, it bears repeating. But also, but all joking aside, but also the put, Nutty Professor Two is the most fantastic movie alive. Ever. Yes. To put, to put my kayfabe boot, boots back on. This is this is the greatest epoch of ex- existence. That's ever happened. Um, a uh, reboot of The Color Purple is in the works, Oprah confirms. The Color Purple is getting a musical makeover. Oprah Winfrey confirmed that she, Quincy Jones, and Steven Spielberg have partnered up to bring the Broadway version of this classic film to the big screen. The media mogul spoke with Deadline about uh, Blitz Bazawool, the director of Beyonce's newly released visual album Black is King, stating that he will be directing this new project as well. Um, we were all uh, blown away by Blitz's unique vision as a director and look forward to seeing how he brings the next evolution of this beloved story to life. Deadline also revealed that the award-winning poet and playwright Marcus Gardley will uh, be writing the screenplay for the new musical. Uh, the project is a continu- continu- uh, continuation of the working relationship between Winfrey, Jones, and Spielberg. The trio worked together on the 2015 Broadway version of The Color Purple, as well as the original 1985 film, where Oprah made her debut film appearance. And the thing that this little blurb does not mention is that all of the music for the Color Purple Broadway musical was written by Allie Willis, who we've talked about on the show before. She passed away um, on uh, Christmas Day of 2019. Very sad, prolific songwriter. She wrote September by Earth, Wind & Fire. That's right. And she also Top wrote song. You're the Best Around from the Definitely Karate Kid soundtrack. Yeah, from the Karate mm-hmm. Kid soundtrack. Very, very eclectic career. Um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna do a, a, a musical version of The Color Purple. I'm going to stamp this as a big hit without even knowing. Watch For it. sure. For sure, because the, the musical sure. is big. So it's going to happen. 100% stamp it. 100% Oscar noms. Yep. Is Oprah going to be in it again? No, because she doesn't sing. She doesn't. No. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard re- Oprah sing. Huh. Okay. It's just I, I could have sworn I've seen Oprah sing. That was a dream. Maybe just in my dreams. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> sing to me, Oprah. Well, sing to me. Yeah. She's big on SoundCloud. And you're getting a van. And you're getting a van. And you're getting a van. <laughs> I love it. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And we come back, we're going to do our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. What was that? What are you drinking? 
Was it was that DDP? Oh, DAW. DAW. I thought it was DDP. Yes. What? Did can ants fly? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Stop laughing and tell me the truth. Not on Mars. Oh man. Wow. There was one on my screen and I swatted it and it just flew. I was so scared. Uh, All right. That was genius. Yeah. I can't even I I don't even know how to ex- describe why that was what it was <laughs> I, I mean and listeners will not maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll drop a link to a clip of you of your actual footage of you reacting to that maybe i'll drop a link to that in the show notes <laughs> because you can't you have to see what happened yeah in order to it's fully, all visual yeah. <laughs> it's all visual <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drop a link to a clip of that in the show notes great great um so now we're going to do uh, another edition of a regular segment where we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic news and discuss whether our opinions on it and whether we think it's a good idea or not. And that segment is called. Can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go for that? Do you want it to happen or do you want it to go away? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go for that? I'm you can't see, but I'm full full mast. Full mast. You can't see. So uh, just just one story for today. It's a bit of a bit of a slow news day this episode, in case you didn't notice. But yeah. um, uh, there's a rumor, or there's re- reports that with the newfound, inexplicable to me in every way, uh, popularity or sentimentality <laughs> towards the fucking Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. There's a rumor that. Uh, Warner Brothers is talking about a Justice League 2 and a Man of Steel 2, both helmed by our boy Zack Snyder. Uh, God damn. Confirmation that the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League is coming to HBO Max whipped DC EU fans into a frenzy, and the hype surrounding it only increased over the weekend when new footage was revealed at the DC FanDome event. It seems there's a real enthusiasm to see Zack Snyder's vision for the DC Cinematic Universe fully realized, and reports suggest this hasn't gone unnoticed at Warner Brothers. According to the inside sources of notable leaker Mikey Sutton at Geekosity Mag, the hype uh, for the Snyder, Snyder Cut has generated uh, this, the hype the Snyder Cut has generated has convinced the studio to revisit its plans for a Justice League sequel, as well as other Man of Steel movies. Uh, the original proposal was to have Zack Snyder direct both until Warner Brothers and DC chose to pursue standalone projects and plot a course away from the DCEU continuity. Um, the report claims that early talks to put Justice League 2 back on the agenda has taken place, but Snyder's involvement remains up in the air. However, the tipsters go on to speculate that the filmmaker could well be offered the sequel uh, 
if his cut of the original Justice League ends um, up being a smash hit when it lands on HBO Max in four parts next year. Um, the, leak all, the leaks also add that Dwayne Johnson is pushing for Warner to keep the DCEU together, not least because he's keen for his Black Adam to cross paths with Henry Cavill's Superman. The Rock is thought to have a lot of sway at the studio, and there are signs he might just get his wish. So, yeah. Thought, thought the nightmare was over. Thought the world came to its senses and realized that the Zack Snyder DC movies were overwrought trash, but might be... Uh, I'm, I'm tipping my hand to what my can you go for that is going to be. <laughs> uh, you can... Uh, every bit. You can go ahead and do my can you go for that as well at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm, I'll, I'll complete the trio here and yeah. say that this sounds like garbage. I will tell you that what HBO Max is making the Snyder Cut seem like seems way cooler and way better than what we saw in Justice League. But whether that's going to like deliver, whatever. But I don't want any more of this bullshit. I want it to be <laughs> over and done with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See. Thank you, Alistair. Can can you go? Can you you can't go for that, Alistair. You can't go for that. Can you go for that, Ephraim? <laughs> he said, "Yeah." So Ephraim is gotcha. actually a Snyder fanboy. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, he'll, he'll be kicked out of the house. Yeah, he's adopted within a week. Yeah, yeah. I, who? This is all just <clears throat> blah diddy blue de blah diddy blah diddy blah. Yeah, it's so dumb. People just people are bored. Well, we can't go for that. This, this <laughs> is another edition of. Can you go for that? Can you oh. go? Can you go? Oh. Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go? Can you go for that? I can't go. I can't go for that. Snap. Uh, and here, last last couple of stories before we wrap the show up. Right. This segment's called Petty Old People News. Yep. <laughs> this, this new 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 segment. Wow. Um so first story, we, we we have a couple interesting stories here. Uh uh William Shatner calls out George Takei over rumors about Star Trek feud with Leonard Nimoy. Um unfortunately there there have been rumors of a major feud between series stars for Star Trek the original series as well as all the Star Trek movies. Uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy for decades, and Shatner has just called out co-star George Takei over his claims that about that supposed discord. Um, if you're thinking that word of any such rivalry could have, would have been settled with Le Leonard Nimoy's passing in 2015 at the age of 83, think again. George Takei was recently interviewed on the podcast David Tennant does a podcast with, and was of course asked about his time working on the Star Trek series and the movies the cast filmed. When the topic of the rumor rumored rift between Nimoy and William Shatner came out, Takei said, it's got more, it got more and more intense. How do I put it? 
It got more and more intense. How do I put it? <laughs> it began from the TV series. There was one character whose charisma and whose mystery was like a magnet. It was Spock, the strange alien with pointy ears. The intrigue that intrigued the audience and women thought I'm the one who can arouse him. Oh my. His fan letters were his were this many and Leonard's were that many and that created a tension that insecurity with Shatner. Uh, this has been the main through line whenever people, including previously George Takei, talk about how William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy didn't like each other when filming Star Trek. The story pretty much always goes that Shatner was playing the captain and was basically the lead of the show and was less than pleased when it became clear that a lot of people really dug what Nemo was, Nemo, Nimoy was doing as Spock. Uh, Spock's popularity annoyed him. Shatner took it up, took it out on Nimoy and a grand science fiction fight was born, allegedly. Uh, here's the problem, though. There have also been public tensions between Shatner and Takei for decades, and Shatner is not in the mood to hear the former Enterprise Hales helmsman diss him or his friendship with Nimoy. So Shatner took to Twitter after news got out about what Takei said on the podcast with his rebuttal. George needs a new hobby. Now he's making things up. He never saw fan letters. That's why there's so many sec uh, secretary signed photos. We barely saw George. He was in once a week at most. How would he know anything? The only person with jealousy is George. So during this whole section, I was just reading and wasn't looking at you guys at Zoom. And your George Takei was delightful, Spot not on. looking at you. And then I'm going to say you did this on purpose, even though you're probably not. You were doing George Takei as William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm further in the conspiracy theory that um, William Shatner actually died in 1986. And since then, uh, William Shatner has been played by George Takei in whiteface. Wow. Oh, boy. Don't don't listen to the lamestream media, sheeple. Yeah. <laughs> William right. Shatner died when he kissed a black woman. Oh my god. Oh, sorry, too much. You went too far. <laughs> um yeah, I mean that, that the story the story is kind of all over the place because it's it's hard to know like who's telling the truth because on one hand, it seems like, you know, obviously it would behoove William Shatner to lie about this because, to you know, to not make himself look bad, obviously, and not make himself look insecure. Um, George Takei and William Shatner have had a long standing rivalry for I mean, they basically never liked each other. And, and, and another negative um, mark against Shatner is that a lot of the reason why George Takei does not like him is because. Uh, according to George Takei, he, you know, on this on the set of Star Trek, as as well as the movies, as well as any of the conventions that they've gone to, Shatner has always kind of bullied him mm -hmm. um, and kind of been homophobic towards him because he's gay. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another negative mark against Shatner in this Shatner. whole thing. However, George Takei. He he it, it is he is a shameless 
attention seeker, like for sure. Like he, he will, he will, he's, he'll, he's shameless in his, in his pursuit of getting attention. So he also has some motivation for stirring the pot like this. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's, who's telling the truth. Mm. Um, so slightly weirder story. These, these, <laughs> the, these, these stories have a graduation of weirdness. Yeah. Um, John Travolta almost played Prince in Purple Rain. This reminds me of a story from a long time ago where in the 90s, they were trying to make a Harriet Tubman movie and Disney executives wanted Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as insane as that, but it reminds me of this. Um, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to talk about one of the most shocking near misses in cinematic history. Forget the doves. We all would have cried if this had come to pass. Warner Brothers bosses were not happy with an early look at Purple Rain and wanted to take some. And I know, I know, I know why why you're getting mad, Kirk. I know, I know mm-hmm. why the words you want to say. Um, yeah. So uh, we're not happy with an early look at Purple Rain and wanted to take some drastic steps. The director has revealed. Albert Magnoli says he was told they wanted major changes made to the sexist, misogynistic script and a less controversial leading man. Magnoli said. Warner Brothers executives didn't like the script. They said it was the most sexist, misogynistic script they'd ever read, especially the dumpster scene. So they asked, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. Then a suggestion was made that John Travolta play Prince. I said, Prince has to play Prince. That's what will make the film authentic. At the time, the idea was not quite as crazy as it sounds. Back in 1984, Travolta was just at the end of his first peak of his career. Um, Saturday Night Fever in 1977 in Greece a year later had made him a huge star. Furthermore, the Saturday Night Fever sequel, Staying Alive, had just come out in 1983 and positioned the actor as a sweaty, bare-chested stud. If the studio wanted to steer Purple Rain in a more mainstream, family-friendly direction, Travolta was actually a reasonable choice. It's an intriguing thought, but unfortunately, Magnoli stuck to his guns. Purple Rain went on to become a pop culture phenomenon, an anti-establishment hit with uh, Prince firmly front and center. Travolta went on to make the much derided aerobics drama perfect and his career nosedived throughout the rest of the 1980s until he began the slow climb back with a look who's talking in 1989. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say some things. First of all, Perfect is a great movie. <laughs> I, I, I did not expect that to be the thing you started with. I, I got to be honest. Listen, Perfect is a very good, stupid 80s movie. I don't want to hear back talk about it. Perfect is perfect. Perfect is perfect. Secondly, this whole story is bullshit. 100%. I mean, I, before you say what you're going to say, I just want to quickly say my little piece of it. Yeah. And it's that I do not believe for a single second that Hollywood executives in the 80s were concerned about a script being sexist and misogynistic. Exactly. 100%. 100%. <laughs> right. This is one of those someone said it like 
hey, you think Travolta would do this? And they're like, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. This was that's that's the end of it at most. Um, partly because the deal was already done. Like they had made the deal with Warner Brothers, but they didn't make the deal with Warner Brothers Pictures. The movie was made because Prince went to Prince's managers went to Warner Brothers Music and was like, hey, we want to do a movie. And the music executive there, Mo Austin, said, um, I'll, I'm a big fan of Prince. I'll give you guys some money to do the movie. I don't know if we can distribute it. And then only later, Warner Brothers looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, we'll distribute it. So this is all bullshit. Also, Albert Magnoli was a hired gun. Prince was already on board before Albert Magnoli even got on this project. So for him to be like, I fought for him. I, they wanted Travolta. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's all bullshit. Fuck this story. Also, finally, come on. They're saying Travolta was like, uh, he was a big star. Night, uh, Staying Alive, which is a critical bomb, was a hit. But let's not forget, he came back with two of a kind after that, starring him and Olivia Newton-John, and that was a huge flop. That's all I got to say. Kirk, You did a second movie with Olivia Newton-John? Kirk yeah, two just, of a kind. Kirk just shattered all over his decay. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. I Nemoid... I don't mean the homophobic stuff. I mean oh, okay, the, re- refuting, <laughs> the refuting of the story. This is, yeah, this is all bullshit. This is all, but someone might have mentioned it in passing of like, hey, would it be great if we, you know, got your ult to play Prince? And then someone went, no, there was no like serious discussion of this. I have wow. read multiple, multiple books on Prince and Purple Rain, and it's never been mentioned that this was a thing. Prince is taught as a main part of the curriculum in Mars schools. Yeah. Well, it's now because I insisted on it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I threatened to leave Mars. Yeah. And because there's so, <laughs> there's so few uh, citizens of Mars, like one person's opinion is, has a much heavier sway. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. But the important takeaway of this is perfect. not a bad movie. Mm. That's it. That's true. That's what we've, I want people we've, to. We've definitely talked take. about perfect yeah amongst ourselves many times yeah absolutely um last story and uh i i i'm uh i'm 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 interested to as as kirk's cockles start to rise (laughs) yes i'm uh we're gonna have another we're gonna have another we're gonna have another we're gonna have some more mars bars spit Steel Panther drummer has a great story about the time Prince screwed his band over. To have a Prince story in today's day and age is quite a point of bragging. Steel Panther drummer Styx Zandinia has a good story, but sadly, it's not one that paints Prince in a positive light. Then again, I'm sure Prince wouldn't mind. Zandinia talks about a time before Steel Panther when he was in a San Jose band and came into contact with Prince. I was in a band a long, long time ago. We were doing disco covers many years ago up in San Francisco, and Prince played at the Shark Tank, which is the San Jose Hockey Arena, uh, which is interesting because I saw Prince at that place. Oh, no way. I, I saw Prince at the Hockey Arena in San Jose in 2011. Wow. Um, wow. 
after his shows, he would find a club in the nearby city and he would go in. And his deal was, hey, I'm Prince. I'm going to come play your club after hours. I'm going to charge at the door and keep the door. You keep the bar. And then the, clubs go, the club goes, okay, cool. So word gets out. We were the house band, just kind of a no-name band, house band at the time. And Prince borrows our gear because he doesn't want to bring gear. And I understand it. So he goes on an hour late. We kicked, we got kicked out of our own dressing room. Prince goes in there. You're not allowed to look at Prince, but he plays a guitar. And then at the end, he holds the guitar up over his head and he drops it behind him onto the ground. And my guitar player is like, what the fuck? Then he switches and he plays bass. And after the song, he takes the bass and he sets it diagonally on the floor and the drum riser. So it's just, it's it, just at an angle. He takes his little tiny Prince foot and he breaks the neck. <laughs> at the end of the show, he came up with, to his manager uh, and his entourage and we go, dude, what is the deal? And the manager flips our guitar player. He uh, flips to our guitar player. He goes, here's a hundred bucks. And he gives our bass player another hundred bucks. And he goes, here you go. Get it fixed, guys. And they left. And we were just standing there. It was some serious assholery going on. So what I'm hearing is Prince was lucky. Or Prince was nice enough to touch your equipment. And <laughs> thank you. And showed you that it was faulty by breaking it in front of you. Because if Prince says it doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work. And then he paid you what is equivalent to 20 grand back in your day, you piece of shit, to buy new equipment. And you think you can talk bad about Prince? Your name is Sticks. Get a real name, you fuck. I yield my time. <laughs> I, you, 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 you used up all the jokes that you wrote when you were 12 years old on the last episode, and you skipped an episode to write some fresh material and come back strong. I yield my time. Thank you. I, I'm yielding my time. I cannot believe that Tyler was the one yeah. that dunked on this. Yeah. And you don't no. even, you don't even need to say anything. I cannot add to that perfection. <laughs> nope. That was flawless. Thank you. Thank you. 100%. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening. If you haven't done so already and you like the show, feel free to subscribe. If you have a friend you think might like the show, share it with them. If you want to keep up to date with the things that we're doing, as well as the nostalgia content we share on a daily basis, you can follow us on Facebook, the official Nostalgia Facebook page. Just search Nostalgia. That's us with the blue check mark next to our name. You can also join our Nostalgia Facebook group by searching Nostalgia in groups. You can follow us on Instagram, at Nostalgia. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, particularly about my health, you can email us at nostalgicastpod at gmail.com. That's nostalgic asked pod at gmail.com uh, but if you do email nostalgiacastpod I'll still get it um, stay safe stay healthy and thank you for listening